Hi, this is Mark Wade, writer of Daredevil, and you're listening to Longbox Heroes. Welcome to episode 502 of Longbox Heroes, the Lamborghini of comic book podcasts. I'm Todd, joined with Joe. How are we doing today, Joe? Two? Yes, two. 502. I was thinking today, as we were getting ready to record, that we should get rid of the numbering of the episodes. Really? But then I'm like, no, nah, I like it. I, I, you know, these are these are nice big numbers. Once we're over 500, like, does it really matter at this point? Right. And we have the state. Does anybody really go back and double check that all 500 are there mm-hmm. because of the old shows and everything? It's like, nah, I think we're good. And it helps us get those those passes to cons we're not going to this year. Oh, boy. You know, I was just informed that they're passing new statutes and limitations on moshing and thrashing in in uh, the pit. So what does that even say for comic book conventions? Well, as Kid Rock, you know, so eloquently said, get in the pit and love someone. (laughs) I think that might be Edgar Winter's Frankenstein I'm doing. Todd! Yes. What do we have to discuss on the show this week? In news this week, we have a bunch of release schedule from a bunch of the comic companies and all the up-to-date distribution news, plus some interesting uh, TV, comic book TV news. Um, also, uh, we have free, uh, digital books and sales. What we read last week as, is there's no books right now. So we read Catwoman, the Ed Brubaker Catwoman run 10 to 16. Uh, what we'll be reading next week. Um, I believe I even have some art attacks this week. And then at the end, we'll have spoiler filled talk of the, of flash, the penultimate episode of flash and legends of tomorrow. What's the fourth to last episode of a show called the fourth ultimate. Uh, the quad ultimate quad ultimate. I'm going to guess. I don't know why there's no pens in the second to last episode. So I don't know why they call it the pen ultimate. Right. So as we've been discussing here the last several weeks, of course, as we draw closer and closer to comic books being available physically, uh, a bunch of the independent companies, uh, both boom and dark horse and image have released their schedules of what they plan on publishing for June, for July, and some even up to August. Mm-hmm. This makes me feel good. It feels like things are heading in the right direction. That's correct. And I was just thinking to myself today as I was going over the notes, compiling the email to put everything together for you, I... I'm going to have to start doing my tablet again. I haven't done my tablet in a long time. I still, every two, so every, you know, I, I mentioned here the last couple of weeks, when you go to Marvel's website, and there might be more on Marvel's website a little bit later on, <laughs> and every Monday they have that thing that says like, hey, what's new and in stores this week? And for the last couple, you know, for a month ago, they were still having this, what books were supposed to be shipping. And then once we rolled into May here, the last three weeks of, or the last two weeks of May that books are shipping, you would click on it and it would just take you to a blank page with nothing. Right. And next week, Todd, there's going to be books in that page. <gasps> and that means I'm going to have to fill out 
and so then Wednesday, so, you know, my Wednesday schedule would be, of course, I would get to work. I would update the email for next week's show. You know, change the number from, you know, 502 to 503. Mm-hmm. Delete last week's news. Delete whatever sales would be end by the, the next week. Move what we were looking forward to next week up to what we read last week. And then update the little file numbers for the uh, TV shows, right? Right, and make sure you take out the what you're looking forward to most. Right. You want to make sure you do that, but go ahead. Rule me three times, shame on me. <laughs> right. But then the other thing that I would do, Todd, is I would go to Diamond's website. Mm-hmm. And I would grab next week's shipping list. Right. And then the tentative list for the following week and update the tablet and update the spreadsheet. And I think if everything is going according to schedule, I'll be doing that tomorrow. Right. And I think that's great because you're, as I call it, your Joe CD is, you know, getting back to normal. Yeah. But my life has just become a living nightmare when it comes to okay. new books because I have no pull list. I don't know what's coming out. He, That's I don't right, know because your pull list was going to the store the day before, looking at a giant printout and saying, mm, "I'll take two of these and three of these, <laughs> a couple of these, a few of those." So now, with like their whatever day they're doing books, I don't know. On top of that, is our retailer like how are the how have the orders changed? You know what I mean? Like because he and if they have, he's cutting close to the vest, be playing it close to the vest because he doesn't want to order giant numbers and be stuck with them after being closed for so long. So, cause like he put out on our, on our, on his social media, like who's getting the Joker or the Catwoman 80th anniversary. And I was like, I haven't bought anything in a while. So like on these, put me down for these 80th anniversaries and these covers. But like, I know he's going to know, get me a flash. I've been buying a flash for like, that's factored into the number, but all the weird junk, I don't know. So I have to keep tabs on what's coming out and what's going on and send emails. Cause I can't go pick. And then what cover do I want? Oh my God, Joe, I'm, I'm happy that comics may be back soon, but I'm an anxious, nervous nightmare that I may not get like the things that I need because, uh, I don't, I, I do it slightly differently. <laughs> That is true. Uh, Mm -hmm. If only you had been doing things like I did, then this may, because I have that email rapport with our local retailer. You know, I I email them like, oh, these are the covers that I want. I've been told I get them to them on a Tuesday, but now I have to get them to them on a Thursday or a Monday, it would seem, Mm -hmm. uh, going forward or whenever I have that information. Oh, I'll have to check that site that has all the variant covers as well. Right. Yep. Right. Um... Yeah, if only you were doing things the way that I did things, Todd. But I but the thing is, I never that's the one thing I will admit is I never went like, oh, like I want this thing that maybe you wouldn't have ordered. It's like, no. I always like special order. I'm just trying to think of a weird book that may, and like uh assassination or assassinate, whatever it was, or any uh, Kyle Starks book. I don't know how many he's going to order, so I pre-order that. That's not a problem. What I mean is I usually pick the books like, he's going to have plenty of Batman, so it's not a it's not a problem. So it's not like I'm sticking him with books if I, if I don't take them. So it, it's a little different, but now, like I said, I won't be able to actually go into the store and do it. And then on top of that, like, how are they going to do 
two days worth of books. I, I don't know. It's a lot of new ground for me to figure out. And I have to figure my place in the new world after this show. Uh-huh. So we'll see. Hopefully I won't go mad. Well, another thing to add, you know, to continue to get us back into the world of comics being a regular thing, this upcoming Friday, DC is releasing their full solicitations for August. Right. Which usually means by next week, all the other publishers will have their August stuff out, including Marvel. Mm-hmm. Because, we're, you know, as we talked about last week, the previews that are supposed to be in stores at the end of this month is going to be like a double-sized July-August previews. Right. Uh, did you put an order in for the for the lost previews that we had? No. Do you remember the last previews that I got for us, like before the book shut down? As I joke, the most useless previews that ever was. Ah. Uh-huh. And I'm wondering if we have to put an order in out of that stuff, or if that stuff's going, a lot of that stuff's going to get bumped up into this one. It's so confusing, Joe. Yeah. Um, and, you know, obviously with all this going on, Diamond has officially confirmed that that May 20th date is locked in. Uh, mm-hmm. Lunar, uh, DCBS, is still going to be handling books um, of the non-diamond publishers after all this is said and done. So, Todd, we're getting back on track, man. Right. Looking, it's looking good. It's looking good, for, especially for this podcast, you know? that's uh-huh. It's all sunshine and rainbows. Cakes and candies, as, as somebody said once that I know. I don't know who that was. Yeah, don't worry about it. So that's really it, man. It just, you know, it, it's it, it feels good to see the publishers getting back on track. You know, a lot of different states are open to varying degrees across the United States. And, you know, it's tough to keep track on the counties here in Pennsylvania, let alone every state, let alone every country, let alone everything. But this return of comics is the little bit of stability, of sanity, that I think is going to help. I can't speak for everyone, but at least these podcasters, I can say for sure. Yep. And I know that you're a customer in good standing, so you should have no problem. And I'm a customer in good standing, so we're good to go. I don't know, Todd. I got about a week I could really blow things up, you know? (laughs) (laughs) Start tagging Dave and a bunch of inappropriate pictures on Facebook. (laughs) Dave, our local retailer, uh, giving a bunch of thumbs down to his posts buying a bunch of things in the last minute on eBay and then giving them negative uh, feedback. Uh, feedback. Todd, you Seller. think I don't know how I can make the wheels fall off this? Well, if there's anybody who could beat the brakes off it, it's you. That's right. To keep things in the straight and narrow, you have to know how to get things off of the beaten path. <laughs> That's right. So, uh, TV news, which rarely we discuss, Mm -hmm. uh, but this was kind of like late breaking ish. So Jeff Lemire's, uh, Sweet Tooth, uh, series from Vertigo, I think it was like 60 issues that ended up being, you know, told in one run, uh, was, uh, several years ago going to go to Hulu, Hulu passed on it. And then it was just announced this week that Netflix is going forward 
uh, doing an eight-episode run uh, with the Downies, Robert and Susan, uh, attached to produce. Uh, James Brolin, uh, Will Forte, attached to be in the series itself. So, uh, you know, people are looking for content. This is something that was being shopped around. Uh, Jeff Lemire is, uh, you know, a big name getting bigger, and this could kind of push him to that next level, I would say. Right. And I got I got the dream casting for Sweet Tooth, Joe. Oh, boy. I'm ready for it. Is it, <laughs> and if, is it wait, can I, wait, is it someone who was looking for a green screen in the Scranton <laughs> Wilkes-Barre area this past week, Todd? Right, I think it's so he could shoot his scenes during the pandemic as Sweet Tooth, Joe. Skinny jeans should be should be Sweet Tooth. And if they if they if Robert Downey Jr. doesn't do it, he's leaving money on the table. I don't know, man. That's a big crossover star to get. And oh, like he's wrestling comics and music. Oh my goodness. That's the that's the triple threat right there, Joe. The one-man triple threat himself. Mm-hmm. Skinny jeans. That's such a tough, tight rope to walk uh, regarding our friend Adam there, you know? <laughs> it is. But as if long you... as we have a code word, skinny jeans, we're good. Yeah, right? if you know, you know. Uh, if you mm-hmm. watch uh, AEW Dynamite on uh, TNT on <laughs> Wednesdays or I don't know. Or if you go to Free Comic Book Day or anything like that. You go to Free Comic Book Day and you go to the uh, adjacent register. (laughs) Yeah. The the skimming register, as I call it. (laughs) Well, he gets no merch sales when he tours over in Europe, so he's got to make his money somewhere. Or he leaves big wads of cash on the hotel, you know, dresser when he leaves. Yes, yes. (sighs) We, I think we're the only ones who can get away with this. I don't know. You you helped him out, so he's good with you. Me, he might yell at. Oh, Sorry, you got a little too inside there. But yeah, hey, uh, I'm excited for Sweet Tooth. And I think if this is a, success, is a success, I wouldn't be surprised to see other Jeff Lemire original properties, Black Hammer, most notably among them, getting developed by someone into something. I would love to see Descender get picked up somewhere. That's my favorite thing that he did. I would I would watch whatever whatever network or whatever streaming service picked that up. I would I would subscribe to that just for that. Subscribe with actual money? Yes, with, you know, with actual dineros totally. Now the other thing is, and this was kind of a little confusing to me as a dope <laughs> because I saw a bunch of people uh, in my limited social media interactions, uh, talking very excitedly that the CW had picked up Swamp Thing for another season. And mm. I'm like, oh, Swamp Thing got picked up for another season. But when you actually read the notes and read the reviews <laughs> and, like, the story, and you let this be a lesson for actual news, ladies and gentlemen. Don't just read the headlines or go by what dope say on this on social media. Right. Uh, read the actual story in that the DC Universe original series Swamp Thing that not canceled but came to an <laughs> unnatural ending. Uh, right. The ten episodes that were filmed have been picked up to fill holes in the CW uh, schedule that they got nothing for since nobody's making anything new. Right, the reverse Bendis, less less episodes and a worse ending, but. Uh... <laughs> yeah, like that's what it is. They're just they're just doing that to fill time. And with that whole HBO, is it HBO 
Max or whatever it is that's coming. Um, yeah, it has I've seen some things about like HBO's that claim it's gonna be like fifteen dollars a month and it's gonna be the best value for your money and all this other nonsense. I don't know. Right, and that's apparently where we're getting the Jeff Johns Green Lantern show. You know what oh, I mean? Okay, that's interesting. Right, right, that's that's the rumor that that's where. So a lot of this DC Universe stuff, like obviously the the, the Swamp Thing and Star Girls going right to you know CW the day after it comes out and all this other stuff. And I don't think the DC Universe is long like the app or the streaming is long for this world because even Harley Quinn. The cartoon season one is on sci-fi right now. So I'm like, that doesn't bode well. You know what I mean? Like, if you're going to put all your content that you're trying to get people to pay for to watch out there for free. Granted, all right, sci-fi, you have to get a cable, you know, subscription. But CW is, you know, you can get that over an antenna. So I don't know. I just think that's where all the DC TV shows are going to end up at some point is that HBO, whatever they're calling it. So I'll say this, um, the DC Universe app as we know it, um, I think you're still going to see original programming, but I think you're going to see it like how Stargirl is going to roll out next week, maybe not as quickly where it like debuts in the universe on a Monday and then is on CW on a Tuesday. Right. I think you're going to see that happening a lot more to vet some of these shows to see if they're network worthy, I guess. But I definitely think in the future, very near future, you're going to see the price come down and them add more like older movies, older TV shows and digital comics. Like I know there are a lot of people that are using the DC Universe app primarily for that. Mm -hmm. um, but I, I definitely see the price coming down and less exclusivity uh, for TV shows. See, I completely disagree because... I think that the DC Universe app will stay around in some form for just digital comics. But even on top of that HBO thing, like they're they're running the the Whedon version of the Justice League movie. There's rumors everybody wants the, you know, the Snyder cut or whatever. But they're going to add old stuff to this HBO thing too. So I could see them just going like, well, if we're going to have this and this, we might as well just move Batman the TV show, we might as well move like the old Wonder Woman and all that old stuff over to here, it's all under you know the the Warner Brothers umbrella. Somehow, I think. I don't right. Know. I, I'm so there has to be a market somewhere for them to find what the niche is that people would pay separately outside of the HBO app. Mm -hmm. Like, I get what you're saying. Like, put everything over on that HBO thing. Most bang for your buck, whatever. But there's got to be one thing, and I don't know what it is. I hope somebody at Warner's can figure out what it is, that they keep off of the HBO thing, leave it just on DC Universe. And as you're saying, even if it's just something as stupid as the Snyder Cut of the Justice League movie, right? Mm -hmm. The only place you could see it is on the DC Universe app. Right. That will get people. It will, but why split your dividends? Like, why have the double keep your your uh, your film or TV in two different spots? Just have it in one spot and drop all the the uh, or if maybe you want to keep the DC universe alive with just comics and old DC stuff like, you know, the, the superhero roast with Adam West and stuff like that. And the 66 Batman and that stuff and keep all the new stuff on the HBO thingy. But to split them both, I just think that's your no, no. It's because I'm trying to think because 
obviously with WWE and their network, everything's in one spot, right? But I know in the indies, there's a company or two that still have their own separate streaming service. Mm-hmm. Where ninety percent of everything is on Jerry TV, Independent Wrestling TV, right? Mm-hmm. And that's a nine ninety nine a month or seven ninety nine a month, whatever it is. But then there's like one or two that are strong enough that they don't have to be on Jerry TV. That they're their own, like they're all in bed together, but they're their own separate streaming service where you get ninety percent of everything over here, and then this one super niche product that a lot of people want is over here on a separate streaming service that's pretty much the same streaming service just with a different name and it's getting you to pay twice for more or less the same content in two different spots there's if anyone can figure out a way to do it it's corporate the corporate side of hollywood Mm -hmm. i just can't wrap my head around what that is and maybe you're right Everything's just going to be in one spot, and they're just going to say, hey, here's everything. Because right now, people talk, it's like, oh, you know, everything is streaming. It's like, no, everything is not streaming. To get everything, you have to have, like, 15 different streaming services to get, quote-unquote, everything. Right. If HBO Dark, or whatever it's called, is going to be the beginning of starting to consolidate some of these smaller, lesser-run, lesser-known, whatever things, and then streaming essentially just becomes like cable, then cable is going to need to finally do that a la carte thing that they've been lying about for the past like (laughs) five to ten years, where it's like, I don't want the sports channels, I don't want the home and garden channels, I don't want the whatever, I just want to pick and choose the channels I want and make my own plan from that. Right. I don't know, I just, like I said, and this will be the last I'll say about is I just see if they're going to take all the, 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 the stuff that's going to draw you in right now at DC and put it out there on other channels, then that's not a good sign. That that's basically the long and short of it for me. So we'll see. I wish everybody luck and, you know, in their future endeavors, but I don't know. Anyway, uh, if you didn't get a chance to watch swamp thing, when it was on the DC universe thing, you know, check it out when it's on the CW. It was really good. I liked it a lot. Yep. I wonder how much they'll like curtail it on the CW. Mm-hmm. Like some of those uh, stabbing scenes. There's going to be some editing that they need to do. Some yeah. language stuff, I think, popped up every now and then. Right. There was no nudity, I don't think. No. Good to go. So that's really it here. Uh, regarding news. Uh, hey, uh, as mentioned at the top of the show, during the body of the show, uh, we are very close to being able to purchase actual new comic books very soon. But in the meantime, in our show notes, go check out the Facebook store of our local comic book shop, Comics on the Green. Uh, Still having a bunch of sales on a bunch of different things. And, you know, if you're looking to get new comics, he's going to have a brisk and bang-up mail-order business. And you might even get a fancy drawing on your package. Who knows? No promises. Right. Uh, also, uh, conventions are still being canceled as we speak. I think one of the two that I mentioned last week in Florida got canceled. Okay. Um, I think we were saying that like, uh, there were two, uh, I, I, there were two that were supposed to be taking place like Memorial day weekend in Florida. Mm-hmm. Um, and one of them got canceled or postponed or something. I can't remember which one it was. Yeah, actually, it looks like at this point, both of them uh, have been uh, huh. rescheduled, saying new date to be announced. Right. Uh, Raleigh, North Carolina, have you moved your date yet? 
but you know, you could check all those things out. No, uh, oh no, Raleigh, North Carolina has moved theirs. <laughs> uh, as it stands currently, the Portland Comic Expo in Portland, Maine is still a go for May 31st. Wow, there's still some time. Right. We'll see. I just have to mention the first one that's on the schedule, you know? No, I get you. I'm I'm on board. Uh-huh. So. Also would not be uh, remiss to mention the Rocky Mountain Comic Con for the following week. <laughs> uh, Lake Erie Comic Con and uh, Sacramento Comic Con. No, Sacramento's moved their date. So Lake Erie Comic Con and... Uh, Rocky Mountain in uh, Colorado are good to go for the first week of June. Pending, pending. We'll see. We shall see. Uh, That segment will return one day with a vengeance or (laughs) die forever. There's going to be no in between. (laughs) No medium ground. That's right. And uh, hey, uh, be sure to check out some of the other shows. Uh, in the soon-to-be-named network, uh, soon-to-be-named-network.com, soon-to-be-named-network.tumblr.com, where there be episodes of this show, uh, episodes of Longbox Heroes After Dark, where we discuss adventures in purchasing a new car uh, during a pandemic. <laughs> right. Uh, we also have Puzzle Warriors 3, Profane Arguments, Wednesday Night War, Final Wrestling Places, back with non-canned shows, <laughs> with discussions of... Uh, the birthing process during a pandemic. Ooh, can't oh boy! Imagine. And uh, we know you know what? Uh, no spoilers for uh, Marcus, but it wasn't as crazy as you would expect. Right, because we it have was two... crazy, but not as crazy as one would expect. Right, because we have two friends expecting very, very soon. Maybe they should listen to this wrestling podcast that talks about a Hulk Hogan versus Sid Vicious match. From 1992 <laughs> to really put in perspective what their child birthing experience is going to be like. Oh, terrible. Is that what it is? No, you'd be surprised. Oh, well, it's wrestling, so it's terrible. Late night sneak into the refrigerator like Papa Shango. That's all I'm saying. Okay. That's stuff I don't need to know. So. That's right. And, of course, at odds with wrestling, where this week, in addition to the last seven days in the world of professional wrestling, we're also going to be covering the 2005 Chikara show that took place in Pittston, Pennsylvania, of all places. Right. And I hope you cover deleted tweets, but maybe you won't. I don't know. Again, if you see no <laughs> tweets, then aren't they all deleted? That is true. Yeah. Uh, but of course, soon to be named network.com, soon to be named network.tumblr.com. Anytime any of those folks um, have their shows come out or they appear on other shows and they tell me about it, or I have to do extra snooping to find out that you're appearing on other podcasts, against your better judgment, I will put them up on the website. Mm hmm. Oh, boy. Uh, Digital books and sales. Hey, a lot of the same freebies are still out there. No one's really added any new freebies, but there's tons of free stuff out there. If you're still sitting at home, I could see those starting to get throttled in the next couple weeks. Uh, So even if you don't read them today, go add them all to your cart so you can read them at some other time down the road. Yes. A bunch of the sales going on. Um, DC... their new sale is called the DC Deluxe Sale. Ooh. I think it's the same sale that they've been doing for the last month, just with a different name. They just I have a know. big 
jar with names in it, and they just pull them out once a week. Yeah. Yep. Like last week was Spring Forward. This week is Deluxe. What's next week? And I'll say this as well. A bunch of other companies, and I have them in the the, the links in the show notes. Uh, Dark Horse is having a 50% off sale of everything. Archie is having a 50% off sale of everything. Uh, Dynamite is having a sci-fi sale. Boom is having a sale on their World Wrestling Entertainment comics. So if you want to read the full story of how the Shield really broke up, <laughs> at least get that first issue, you know? Potato salad, spoiler alert. Uh, Marvel is having sales on both Tom Taylor written stuff and Secret Wars, the complete event, the Hickman thing with all the little ancillary miniseries as it is that right. went along with it. But I want to say this, okay? <laughs> so this week, Marvel shut down their specific dedicated storefront for digital books. Okay. They had, a, they had a site that you would go to that was comicstore.marvel.com. That site does not exist anymore. Any of the stuff, it was it was just their front end for the back end of Comixology, okay? DC has readdc.com, same thing. It's their front end for the back end of their Comixology store, okay? Uh, a lot of these other companies, Dark Horse, uh, Image, you can get the stuff directly from them, but they put the stuff up on Comixology. You can have it in your Comixology account, or you can get a PDF of it, or both, or whatever. So you can kind of take it on other devices. So with Marvel having their front end go away, I don't. they don't do Comixology, that is, doesn't do the pushed, dedicated, separate links on their front page for all these sales. So you have mm -hmm. to go start digging a little bit more for them. And just as an as an example, when you go to Dark Horse's website, which I think is like comics.darkhorse.com, they have a completely different set of books that are on sale than the books that are on sale on Comixology. Those two are not linked. Mm -hmm. So be wary of where you're getting your books from. You might get a better deal somewhere, uh, one of the other sites. Right, but then you might have to have a separate reader for it. You might have to do a separate thing. And they don't have these fancy, like, you click on the link for the sale and there's a big banner and it tells you, you know, you know when the sale is good to and it looks nice and fancy. They're not doing that no more. Mm -hmm. And when Comixology sends out their email spam of what's on sale... The only thing they're pushing is the DC stuff anymore. They're not pushing the Marvel stuff. They're not pushing any of the other, other independent program, uh, publishers of what's on sale. I don't know what that's about, but it started when new books stopped being shipped. Okay. So I'm going to do my best to keep you, the listener, and the show notes abreast of what is on sale and where. But Comixology is making it tough, man. Hmm. <laughs> It'll all, it's all coming back around. So hopefully it'll all slide back into place like it was. I hope so, man. That's all I got. Yeah. While a lot of things, the more important things, are going back to the norms, I, I don't like the things that aren't. Mm-hmm. But. but at least for us, over the last couple of weeks, we've been reading different things. And this week... Uh, we read the next uh, seven issues or so of the Ed Brubaker Catwoman run. Right. I'm going to let you take point on this just to give me a moment to take a drink. 
Not a problem. Basically, it's uh, two one-shot stories and then a you know a storyline. Um, and the first issue is basically Catwoman deciding to help an old friend that she went to school with by the name of uh, Rebecca Robinson, who's made a bunch of bad choices and she's on death row. She ends up helping her escape because she was, you know, guilty for small crimes, but got sucked into big crimes because she has a bad taste in men. And it was an interesting story. It was an Ed Brubaker story. And it was basically to me, the whole story came down to, there but the grace of God go I for, for Selena. You know what I mean? And she ended up owing her, uh, Selena owed uh, her a favor. And it was a really good, this is one of those really good Brubaker one-shot stories. And I think it gets into a little bit more of the psyche of uh, Catwoman and the character. And Brubaker does a great job. And then there's a small, small like uh, prologue where Catwoman's asking Bruce to help her do something with a bunch of money because she needs to to have like it anonymously and 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 Bruce ends up uh uh helping her. That's the only part of this issue that I didn't like is I felt that Brubaker was draw, was writing a very goofy Bruce Wayne in that like that's the persona that he shows the world that seems like the goofy persona that he always does. Like in the Batman, the animated series when it's like, Hey, I'm Bruce Wayne, the playboy millionaire. Let's play some tennis. Let's do this. I'm goofy. But to me, that's not the real Bruce Wayne slash Batman. And that always shines through with Selena. If that makes any sense. I get you. So that, that part of the issue just threw me off for that one shot uh, story. I was okay with it. Only because there may have been some other contextual stuff that may have been going on in the Bat books at the time mm-hmm. that fits into Bruce kind of acting a little bit more aloof. Okay. Uh, maybe needing to work a little bit more to keep up um, the public persona mm-hmm. and maybe this being practice at doing so. But again, I'm I'm making excuses for a possible hole in the plotting and the characterization of Bruce Wayne Batman. It is what it is. Right. And it didn't take me out of it, but you know what I mean? It's just, I and especially, yes. especially when it's a very dark Batman we're used to. I'm like, whoo, this is a fun, like, uh, I don't know. It's just, it was weird, especially in, a, in, in Catwoman's, like we said, is a softer version of a Brubaker crime story. Yes. So you expect a, an edgier Batman. So I don't know. That was just my, my one thing. And then you get into issue 11, which is not reprinted in any of the, the trades that we discuss. But then I found out is because it's written by Alan Grant, the comic book writer, not the ar- archaeologist character from the Jurassic Park movies. Um, and, th- and that to me, this story is like we can even just skip it if we wanted to. It's a quick story of a Catwoman getting getting over on somebody who's out to get her because – Catwoman wronged her. And it's just a pat Catwoman story that could have been taken from any file. You know what I mean? I like Alan Grant, but it's not his best work. It's also not his worst work. Uh, when I saw it wasn't written by Brubaker, you said, oh, you could just skip it. And I did. Okay. I didn't know. So I, you know. Well, uh, but then again, you know, when you use the most trusted source in bibliographies in <laughs> Wikipedia and you're trying to the real noodle scratcher is, is why this one random issue is not included in 
the trades and you can't figure out why. And they're like, oh, because it's not written by the guy who does the entire run. Makes sense. Totally, totally. And then the the next storyline is a, is a you know a fi- is a five part story I think yeah uh, a five part story where Catwoman Selena took that money built a community center for the area that she's you know that she's guarding that basically she feels Batman and the cops have ignored so she's gonna do her best to redeem this area in that she finds out that the group of kids are thieving are, are thieving again which which she was a part of when she was a kid so she looks into it and it's an old friend of hers who grew up with her. And then you find out that like, she's uh, the Sylvia Sinclair who, you know, right off the bat, you just get that she's dirty. You know what I mean? Like that. She's got a thing in for, for Selena. Um, and then uh, who, who's the, the woman Maggie Kyle shows up her, her sister with her husband. And then we find out that it's all really, uh, instead of this Xavier Dillon, it's Black Mask behind everything. And uh, because the revenge that Black Mask wants for stealing the diamonds that she used to build the community center, he ends up blowing up the community center, which was a shocking scene to me as reading it. It's done very well that like Catwoman's finally coming around, getting happy. Boom, that explodes. And I'm like, this is a great story. Catwoman, uh, Sylvia going after uh, Ma- uh, Maggie's uh, introduction that I didn't know much about her from because I didn't read a lot of the old stuff. And then the highlight of this is to me to heck with Bruce Wayne slash Batman. Catwoman's one true love will, will be has been and always will be Slam Bradley because I can understand Slam Bradley. Like, as I'm reading it, I'm just rooting for Slam to get Selena. And when he kisses her at the end of this run, I'm like, yes, fantastic. I'm, I'm, I'm a Slam guy for life now, Joe. So I'll say, so, okay, uh, a lot to unpack there, of course, in the five-issue arc. Um, yes, the uh, community center being blown up so quickly was a shock, even though they pretty much spoil it on the cover. Right. Uh, but still, it was a shock nonetheless. Mm-hmm. Um, Black Mask was absolutely terrifying in this book. Mm-hmm. And not to take anything away from the art in this book, because I like it a lot, even though I felt in like the last issue of this arc, it felt a little less detailed than the first issue, if that makes any sense. No, I'm with you. It's like it's the the, the, the deadline's getting to him at this point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and again, that's fine. You know, we, we, we're not all, you know, whomever, right? We're all not Jack Kirby's sure. the month of the deadline. Right. So um, where was I going with this? Okay, so the introduction of Selena's sister and the husband, it seems as though so much happens so quickly in this, this, these, this arc, these issues, mm-hmm. that I feel what they were setting up in the previous issues with Holly, unfortunately, has to take a backseat. Holly does get her one big moment at the end, of course, where she saves Selena from um, what was the the girl's name who's running like Uh, Sylvia Sinclair. Right. So she gets that moment, but it doesn't feel as earned in this arc. It feels earned overall, but not in this arc, if that makes any sense. No, I'm with you. It seems like it's it's starting to become a crowded book. Right. Right. And it's. And that, so that's the thing. It's not so much that it's becoming a crowded book. It felt like a crowded um, arc because we get so many new characters popping up mm-hmm. that 
they're new characters that are essentially here for this arc. Either they get killed, or they get tortured to death, or they get put into an insane asylum. That the other people that we've established, the other supporting cast, unfortunately have to take a back seat to quickly establish and quickly bring down these other characters. Like these three or four new characters that we introduce just for the quick fix of setting them up to bring Selena down. And I get it, but... You know, I, I in the short stuff that we read previously in the first, you know, eight or nine issues, I really liked Holly a lot. I really liked Slam a lot. Mm-hmm. And even Slam, he get him and Holly get that one issue together where he kind of tells Holly that he has a crush on Selena. Mm-hmm. Obviously, there's a lot of extraneous extenuating circumstances, but it gets like one hit in issue two of the five issue miniseries, and then we get that last page in the in issue 16 right yeah but i don't care i just love the fact no i get you i get of, you of slam in a bar telling holly you know or holly actually kind of figuring it out kind of a deal that he loves selena and then like and then he gets you know he like the big tough you know lug you know gets a little bit like taken back by her being so straightforward and then a couple of guys start to bother him and slam does with any good standing drunk who has a you know uh, who's in love with somebody he tears the bar up and i'm like you go slam you go and then when he passes out in the garbage i'm like who hasn't passed out in garbage joe slams my spirit comic book character so but yeah i i I like it all around and i even read um the uh the secret files that goes with this and it sets up all of this stuff perfectly just because i had a little extra time to do it and like it sets up holly and it sets up black mask and it sets up the even uh sylvian sinclair getting out of prison and everything and i'm like man like Brubaker writes a tight, you know, even though this was, like you said, crowded, writes a tight story overall. So I'm enjoying it. Right. Oh, I'm definitely enjoying it as well. And yes, when I was, so I have all these, just like you had the Conans in physical books and I had the Thunderbolts and we did our swap. These I have the physical copies of and you more went the digital route with these. Mm -hmm. Um, But going through my long box to get the books out, I saw... uh, uh, the Secret Files in between issues 11 and 12. And since I didn't read 11, I read Secret Files instead because that's where it goes because we were trying to figure out where does the Secret Files go? That's where it goes. And I feel a little bit more confident on this one than I do in the Thunderbolts thing. <laughs> I don't think Ed Brubaker is going to call me out for being a dope on Twitter in regards to this one. And But that's so, only because he's not on Twitter. Exactly. <laughs> so as I grab the books out and I see the cover of issue 17 that has Selena and Slam on it, I'm like, oh! That's right, it happens this quickly. And I say quickly, a year and a half into the book. <laughs> right. But uh so you did read this reread the secret files then? Yes, I did. The meta Holly issue where why is Holly alive is so much fun and just a gentle ribbing at comic book fans and continuity is one of my favorite little things. Absolutely. Thought mm-hmm. it was, again, um, I like when the secret files matters. Right. We're a sucker for annuals and secret files and specials being written by the writer of the monthly and being important somehow. Right. And I, I almost feel that that was something instituted not by, but because of Jeff Johns. 
on his work on JSA and Flash, respectively, mm-hmm. by making those secret files, almost jumping on points for the next big story arc. Right. Where well, in the past, like, there were literal secret files of, like, here's, you know, all of Batman's stuff in the Batcave, and then here's an eight... P- Here's an eight-page Jim Gordon story we had laying around that we needed to fill out the secret files with. None of this really means anything in the grand scheme of things. And, you know, it it was a way to get people to read a key part of the storyline for an extra buck a month. I agree, because if people remember, when you're reading uh, Jeff Johns' Flash, Hunter Zolomon, before he becomes Zoom, as he's the police profiler, he shows up in a secret file. Yeah, like that's his first appearance. That's an important first appearance, and yes. it's in a secret file. So I get totally what you're saying. Yeah, and like I said, I, I don't want to say that it was Jeff Johns made everyone do this, but I think DC saw the success and what the secret files can be. Mm-hmm. Uh, sadly, they've gone back to being non-essential. I would disagree with that. Um, at least during the Tom King's run, the secret file had the, uh, he, the the kryptonite story that they ended up using to give Gotham Girl her powers. At the okay, end. you know what I mean. I'm not saying they're they are all. I think a good writer knows how to use the secret files. That's what yeah. it really comes down to. Right, right. So. Um, I'll say though, because weren't there like. Maybe I'm mixing up the secret files and the annuals. You're you're mixing up the annuals because the annuals were like Tom Taylor. Yeah, good but non-essential. Right. All the secret files, I believe, had now. Granted, they had other stories that weren't, but yeah. the but the Tom King ones always worked into the the overarching eighty issue and Batman Catwoman that we're going to get at some point in the future. It all comes together. Right, and speaking of which, I want to end around my 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 initial thought, which got got us talking about everything else in these. Uh, Cameron Stewart's art, great, uh, very Darwin Cook esque, very of the feel of the book, mm-hmm. and I think the grotesqueness and the brutalness of the torture that Black Mask did to Selena's sister and husband was powerful. But as I'm reading it, I'm thinking how much more power like would this have been better in the hands of an artist that could have captured the graphicness of this more or was this an instance where what we imagine is going on is worse than what anyone could draw fair enough i i i get what you're saying sometimes uh the imagined is scary or funnier than anything you can depict and it makes me think as you're as you're mentioning that how little in my mind not knowing Darwin Cook did of these issues. I thought Darwin Cook was the artist for the Brubaker Catwoman. Right. He he just does like those first four issues. Right. And then covers here or there, I think. Um, and also the last thing that I do want to mention is that as I'm reading this, my brain because you know how a lot of people get angry at the state of comics today and everybody has a political agenda or whatever they're doing. It it took me 15 issues to realize, and I get it, it's a Catwoman book, how heavy of female character laden this book is. And it's so natural. Like Slam Bradley's your, like obviously your villain, whatever, but your Slam Bradley is your male character. 
That's it. It's uh, Dr. Tompkins. It's Holly shows up. It's uh, Maggie. It's, you know, like, like it's, even Sylvia is the villain. I'm like, it's a female-led book with female co-stars, but at no point does it heavy-handed or is it forced and it's it's so natural that it you don't even know you know what i mean like I, I, if that's making any sense whatsoever absolutely okay and uh yeah and i i think us reading this and talking about it i hope other folks are checking it out and seeing kind of for that and many other reasons how ahead of its time this book is i agree i definitely agree so that's what we read this past week. Uh, what we're looking forward to coming out this week is issues 17 to 24 of Ed Brubaker's Catwoman run. Right. And if everything goes on schedule, we might even have at least one new book to talk about next week. Right. Uh, and then after that, we're back on schedule, man. That's right. Then I have to finish Catwoman on my own if I want to. Right. You got your fingers crossed that the wheels are going to fall off the world <laughs> so you can finish off this Catwoman run. Well, who knows? You might tick off the retailer, too, you said. So we That's might get true. blacklisted. You never know. We? Listen, I wouldn't put my stink on you. Come on. That's right. What's what's my quote? We? What, you got a mouse in your pocket? <laughs> <laughs> oh, my goodness. <laughs> So, you know, check out these. I know a lot of people are checking out a lot of different things, stuff out there for free, or you're taking a chance on some new stuff. Um, obviously, maybe you have time to listen to podcasts. I lamented here and other places that it seems as though I have less time to listen to podcasts and people have <laughs> eight-tupled their output of podcasts, mm -hmm. making it infinite, infinitely more difficult uh, to catch up on podcasts, we still have our normal schedule. This every Wednesday, After Dark every Friday. Unless you want a little bit more, and then you can go over to Patreon, and for $5 a month, you got After Dark free, plus you got our two bonus shows, uh, Babbling Brooks, which we just did, Silent Movie this past week, with special guest uh, Twitter Bon Vidon, uh, Words Big 80s. He even got a clothing line off of our appearance on the show, Todd. <laughs> oh, my goodness. I'll have to ask you about that when it's over. Um, and then we'll be having uh, Previewing the Past for May 1990 next week. And, of course, if you can't swing that $5 a month, and I completely understand, uh, for anywhere under $5 a month, you'll still get those same two bonus shows, but usually on a delay of about two weeks. Um, you could also head over to our store, buy shirts and stickers and pins directly from us. Our T Public store, there's a sale going on this week, Todd. Everything's 35% off. Ooh, that's a good deal. And you can get a bunch of our fancy logos or designs made up by uh, different things said on this show, different things said on At Odds with Wrestling. We even have our first uh, final wrestling place design in the store that went up this week. Oh, that's sweet. That's right. So if you're a fan of the Uncle Taker, you can go check out a shirt with that design on there. Fantastic. And you know what, Joe, when it comes to so many podcasts coming out, it yes. seems like I'm listening to the same amount I've always listened to. <laughs> no more or no less. No. Hey, you know, exactly. Right. 
And lastly, I, I do want to mention, of course, I do want to thank everyone who is still continuing to make their purchases. You know, leaving the house might be difficult for whatever reason uh, during the state of the world, a pandemic going on, social distancing, everyone trying to be safe. Uh, but making any and all of their purchases through our Amazon click through, it definitely does help uh, quite a bit. Uh, some of the notable purchases through the Amazon click through this past week. Uh, somebody purchased a DC Comics multiversed Wally West action figure. Uh, somebody also purchased volume eight of Green Lanterns entitled Ghosts of the Past. I think that might be the end of the Jeff Johns run. And somebody also purchased the trade paperback of the Sean Murphy Batman White Knight. Cool. Uh, somebody also purchased uh, bags of Dunkin' Donuts and Seattle's Best Coffee. And I put this together. I'm assuming that was the same person who also purchased a 128-ounce uh, bottle of Mrs. Butterworth syrup. And they're mm. putting that in their coffee. Oh, that's fantastic. Mm -hmm. uh, and also, longtime listener of the show, friend of the show, power listener of the show... Dwayne Dulascar on Twitter. Uh, he did his monthly, bi-monthly, whenever he does it, uh, purchase of stocking the snack machines at his wife's work. <laughs> uh, big giant lots of Snyder's, of Hanover's pretzels, Nabisco's, cookies and crackers, Blue Diamond almonds, uh, Frito-Lay, Little Debbie, Rice Krispie Treats. Uh, all sorts of thing, and we thank him all the time for any and all of the purchases. And when I see those all come up on the list, I'm like, oh, it must be time to restock the break room. <laughs> That's right. Uh, fantastic. Thank you. And uh, Todd, we did have some uh, art attacks this week. Yes, yes, we did. Yes, we did. Uh, Jesse DeYoung sent in to Art Attack. He goes, here's a page from Generation X, uh, 41, page 13, art by... Uh, Ale Garza and Cabin Boy. I love this page because of all the angles, inking techniques, and how well the story flows through the page. I have I have had this page since the late 90s, but never get sick of looking at it. And then he wrote really quickly at the end, ah, the 90s, when inkers, letterers, and colorists got to pick their own crazy names. Um, that's a great page. A lot of action on there. Um, I could see why he loved it. And yes, I would name give myself a crazy name in the 90s if I was in comics. That was more of a late 90s thing than an early 90s thing. Where everyone had like a cute code name that they would ink or pencil by. Right, like Buzz or whatever. Right. Uh, uh, and, I, and I don't know what his real name is, but I'm sure like Pop Man's real name was not Pop Man. You don't know. Let me look. Nessie and I have to look it up as I. And he, oh, I remember disliking Popman's art styling so bad because he did like Ghost Rider and like Flash for a little while and it was so terrible. And then somewhere along the line, he changed his style. And I was like, what happened with Popman, man? Mon Man? <laughs> and I stand corrected. Popman is his uh, actual uh, birth name. So my apologies there. And yes, I love that uh, Gen X page. Of course, any page that's on the, you know, that has the uh, the blue uh, things up at the top for the actual pages that you would get to do your art on. I love it. 
right. um, tons and tons of black ink on there also sends my heart a flutter. And that upper right hand panel with the uh, character, I'm not sure who it's who it is, but I know it's very much supposed to look like Fred Krueger. Right. With the neck flaps, the neck flaps tucked in. So, right. And then somebody sent in, and luckily they tagged. I don't understand how they tagged the picture. I don't understand that, but it worked in Longbox Heroes, so it doesn't have the the at Todd's Art Attack. But I still got it in my mentions, so it works. And it was from Rebecca's Art. Um, and all credit to my lady friend Rebecca Ariaga. Um, and I guess that he's someone sending it in for her either way. It's in a sketchbook and I'm not 100% sure of the character, but it looks like a, you know, like a medieval person meets like uh, sci-fi riding a dragon. Very beautiful stuff. I'm not familiar with the character because it may be like a manga or a video game thing that I don't know. So I apologize. Or, or it could be something uh, originally created. Uh, oh, that is true. Uh, of course, very fantasy inspired, very elf quest inspired, very nice regardless. Right. So thank you for that. If you're listening, uh, send in more if, if she draws some. Absolutely. And I think that's all before we get into some TV talk, eh? Yes, I believe that's everything. All right. So uh, if you have not watched uh, last week's episode of Legends of Tomorrow and The Flash, we bid you adieu. Thanks for listening. Episode 502, Longbox Heroes. See you next week. Notice I didn't say in the books. Yes, I noticed until you said it. Right. I'm, I, as I was about to say it, I stabbed myself in the leg with a pencil so that I wouldn't ah, say it. Good. Lead poisoning. That's how Joe's going out. Graphite poisoning. Thank you. Ah, fair enough. So, as always, we start with the Flash, eh? Always, yes. <laughs> so, this is the continuation of Team Flash attempting to figure out uh, how to make their own speed force. Uh, their artificial speed force while tons of other stuff is going on everyone's in this uh, this episode even Joe not in flashbacks <laughs> uh, even though Caitlin gets a lot of laying down acting in this she's getting the Joe special where he got to sit on the chair for three episodes when he had his bad back or whatever it was maybe maybe uh, the bad back's contagious and, oh. and Caitlin got it maybe Caitlin's getting some suspect hair plugs <laughs> I mean, what? Wigs? Anyway, <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. Um, but they have to deal with God's speed, of course. And all this also is going on while the threat of uh, Ava McCullough looms nearby. And then over on the mirror side of things, Iris uh, finds uh, Camilla is there. Mm-hmm. Uh, Camilla not realizing she thinks that Iris is the one that pulled her in here because it was evil Iris, not this Iris. And uh, we're starting to see the effects of these regular folks being stuck in the mirror world and what that is doing to them. And of course, to combat Godspeed and everything that's going on, uh, they attempt, Team Flash that is, attempt to get the help of the Pied Piper. And with Cisco's investigations in a post-crisis world, we find out that uh, Pied Piper lost one of his minions due to a mishap with the Flash, and of course hates the Flash. And a lot of the episode is uh, that whole thing. And maybe it's because I'm familiar with Pied Piper from the comics, of course. But was it? 
I, I, they played it up that it was supposed oh. to be a surprise that one of the minions was Pied Piper's boyfriend. Yeah, he cared about him like he was mad at Flash because he heard him. And everybody thought it was just because it was his number two in command. And I'm like, nope, boyfriend. Yeah. I don't well, know. Maybe, that, maybe, maybe it was a little too ham-fisted because I knew. Right. But I think even then, as I'm watching it, I'm like, man, you're really, like, showing your cards. And that just takes takes me back to, like, people forget that in comics, everybody likes to talk about how North Star was the first mainstream, uh, like, of the big two characters that came out gay. And I was like, no, it was Pied Piper. If you look at the timeline... Like, maybe they hinted at North Star before that, but I remember reading the issue with Pied Piper telling the Flash, like, hey, I'm gay, and him, like, oh, like, really? Great scene where Flash was like, oh, like, I wonder if there's, like, you know, I don't know any. Is there any gay supervillains? Like, I hear the Joker is gay. Like, that's a rumor, and Pied Piper's like, he's not gay. Like, I've met the Joker. He doesn't love anybody. He's a psycho. He's like, but I do know one gay, like, supervillain. And he was like, who? And this was after he had turned good, and he's like, me. And he's like, what? And I'll never forget that, because that stuck out for me as an issue, and it never gets the cred. It's always the North Star. And if you look at the timeline, no, but I guess you could say he was a villain who turned hero and then outed himself as being gay. I don't know, but so I had no, yeah, I was immediately like lovers. But, uh, but I like this episode. It's good to see all of team flash in there together. Right. And the highlight of this episode is Caitlin passing uh, Ralph's life course and getting a diploma. I died, Joe. I died so hard when he gave her the diploma. I like that they don't lean too hard on Ralph being so punny so right. that when the puns do come out, they hit that much harder. They do. They do. I'm glad you loved it as much as I did. Let's not go crazy. I know. Uh, but like I said, I, I, I really liked uh, this episode. And I know this week as we're recording is the season finale uh, kind of truncated. So it's going to be very interesting because I, I said, you know, oh, they'll probably figure out this whole uh, artificial speed force in the episode before the season finale. And this was the episode before the season finale. And all they got was some blue goop out of uh, Godspeed. And they're like, hey, maybe this will work. Right. And they didn't even use it for the speed force. They used it to save... Pied Piper's friend. Yeah. So I don't know. Um, and the whole Godspeed thing, because I don't know where that's going, because I know who the character is in the comic. And it, he's not for people who speak in AOL dial-up or whatever right. it is. So we'll see. We shall see. Mm -hmm. And, uh, of course, we close out the show with Legends of Tomorrow. Oh, Legends of Tomorrow. Yes. Um, so, okay. Uh, I guess we're starting off with the the Mick stuff that he's going to bring the daughter on the ship. Or he wants to take her to roller derby for their father-daughter weekend. And she ends up going on the ship. Some would say that this is almost a bottle episode because everyone everything takes place on the ship. Mm -hmm. But that would be doing this episode a disservice because so much happens. Right. Uh, everything from Canary losing her sight but gaining a second sight um, to all the stuff going on with the loom and who is double-crossing who and who is playing who when it comes to uh, Astra. But most importantly, what starts off 
as seemingly a throwaway C or D story involving Gary Jr. <laughs> what a twist. What a great reveal that while they were in hell, Gary decided that he needed the, the, the his trip to hell was so traumatic. He got a note, not from Epstein's mother, but from a doctor, allegedly, mm-hmm. that he needed and could have on the ship an emotional support dog. And luckily, he found just the dog while they're in hell, the son of Sam dog. Right. And I will say this. Halfway through the episode, I kind of figured out that it was the dog. But in my mind, it was one of the fates because they can shapeshift. Do you know what I mean? I'm like, oh, it's probably because remember when the the one took the shape of John last week or two weeks ago or whatever. So I'm like, oh, they took the shape of the dog. They're going to infiltrate the ship. And it wasn't right out of the gate. It was a a little bit later. And then I'm like, when it turned, I was like, all right, so that's, you know, kind of anticlimactic. But when I found out that it was the son of Sam dog, I cracked up so hard. I'm like, that is one of the greatest, like, little things that they're going to do, like a, a, a... a serial killer from the 70s, like, and the talk to the dog. I'm like, do people even remember Son of Sam? Like, but and then I was like, Ava, I was hoping Ava would do a little more because she has her podcast about serial killers. Right, so right. I thought we were going to get a deep cut of her, like, in my episode seven, which none <laughs> of you listen to, and, you know, use my code to get a free, <laughs> to get a discount on a mattress or whatever. But they didn't go there, so I, that's what I was kind of. She did mention the podcast in this episode, though, so that was a that was a bunch, you know. Right, but I was hoping we get like a like more of it. And the other thing was with uh, with Sarah is you know being able to see the future and blind and stuff. Is she becoming an oracle? Whoa! Because Greek mythology, she's an oracle. Maybe she'll you know go that route. I don't know. I tell you though, no, I I couldn't tell if they were CGIing it or she was wearing cloudy contacts. But CGI, okay, such a That's... such a lame thing. It's like, oh, not only to get over that you're blind, we're gonna make your eyes look weird, and because your eyes look weird, you're taking it upon yourself to cover your eyes. I don't know, just put on like a pair of sunglasses. We already established a scene earlier on where everyone was wearing sunglasses already. Like, they make such a weird, big production of her getting, like, the head wrap. Mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, I think she is becoming an oracle, or the oracle, or whatever. Right. I'm not saying the Barbara Gordon oracle. Right. Something. Right. But uh, the only problem I did have with the whole overarching story is the Mick and his daughter stuff is great. And I also think Mick, it, they are grooming the daughter to be the new heat wave when Mick leaves, when he gets tired. That is what I totally think is happening because we're running out of original legends. And uh, the only thing I had the problem was he takes her to his room and they try to figure out how much money's in there. And she's like, a billion, a billion, like a a billion dollars. And she's like, Oh, well, what are you going to do with it? I'm just going to sit here and look at it. And she's like, well, you could invest it. If you leave it here, you'll only have a billion, but if you invest it, you could have much more. And then we can go back and rob and get even more. I'm like, you have a billion dollars. Like, <laughs> like you're okay. Like you're not going to like how much. And I get it. Like was the whole thing. And that was the reason like they had their fight because she's like, Oh, like I see you don't want me to go down your dark path of robbing. And I'm like, 
You have a billion dollars. What's invest it or get more? Just start spending it. Just start spending it. And I do like that's how they fund the team is Mick just robbing through time. But I will say this. It was nice to see Mick's fatherly instincts come in. Mm-hmm. And the fact that just seeing that much money caused his daughter to become greedy to want more and more and more. And obviously, you know, Mick is starting to become a little bit more good, getting some right. softer edges, but the core of the character is still there. Right. Um, you know, and trying not to have that path for his daughter. And as you mentioned, you could see the daughter becoming the new heat wave. I could see them getting some sort of like future episode where they go there and she is the new heat wave. And Mick is like, Oh man, I really screwed up. Like this is the thing that I did not want to happen to my daughter. And it did. And when you're like, what made you go down that route? Was it the billion dollars in gold? And she'd be like, no, it was the crappy ants on a log. You made me. The most disgusting looking ants on a log I've ever seen. But they had a lot of extra money because nobody was wearing wigs this episode. That is true. They had extra fake peanut butter for uh, in the budget. Uh huh. Uh, but what do we got? We got uh, one more episode of Flash to talk about next week. We have episodes of Legends of Tomorrow to get us up to the first week of June. And then Stargirl starts next week. Yeah, exactly. And we should be have it in the can just in time to watch it and get it for the show next week, right? That's right. As we were maligning the DC Universe app uh, at the (laughs) beginning of the show, uh, it is going to be on the CW on Tuesdays while we record, but it does go up on the DC Universe app on Monday. So that is going to give us time to watch Stargirl before we record the show. And uh, I've been doing my best to avoid stuff on Stargirl, but I think it was either something that I forgot or something that I spoiled on myself regarding casting in the show. And I'm very sad that I spoiled it on myself because it would have been a pleasant surprise to see this person pop up in a superhero TV show. Is it just let me ask. I won't mention any names. Is it Stripesy? Yes. Okay. I know. Yeah. Cause I, cause I, I watch it and I know you, fast forward through all your commercials where I'm watching it live and I see like the star girl commercials. So I got it that who's stripesy. Right. But anyway, I'm looking right. forward to star. Absolutely. I'm very interested to see uh, how good this project is that uh, Jeff Johns shirked his responsibility <laughs> and uh, made doomsday clock a two and a half year book to come out. Right, but he didn't shirk it. He didn't. He shirked it just enough to miss the bet for me by a week and a half. I'm right. gonna choke him when I see him. <laughs> oh, Todd, you'll never see anyone ever again. That is true. I'm hunkered down here with all my cans of pasta sauce and pasta, so I'm good to go. I was gonna say Cinnabon filling, but okay, that too. Wow, I can't I can't get to the store to get that and bring it home. The 55-gallon drums are too heavy for one man. Touche. Mm-hmm. All right, everybody. Thank you very much for listening to episode 502 of Longbox Heroes. For Todd, this is Joe saying thanks for listening, and we'll see you all here next week. Remember, be a faucet, not a drain. Boo! Thank you.
You're listening to the soon-to-be-named network, the Lamborghini of Podcast Network. 